We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcon's Flyover. John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at it in the Kia Studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery Show. Hanging out with you on this Friday night. Braves uh, looking to hang on here for a victory over the red-hot Cincinnati Reds. 404-726-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Odyssey apps how you catch us on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And follow us at JMSH316 at the D. Lewis for real. As we will do rank them coming up here at 1040 this evening. First, though, this is your night look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons flyover. So Pro Football Focus has their top secondaries in the NFL. So we talked about the cornerbacks, you know, earlier where they ranked the top 32 cornerbacks in the NFL. A.J. Terrell did make that list, obviously. And now Pro Football Focus has their rankings out as a whole. And I think the Falcons improved the most in their secondary. With Jesse Bates, with Jeff Okuda, Mike Hughes, I think that their secondary got drastically better. All right, Day-Day, as we always ask, where do you think, having all that information, where do you think that the Falcons' secondary came in on PFF's rankings? Uh, to your point, um, definitely think they improved in that area. Um, I mean, in addition to just defense overall. But I would say um, I like them landing anywhere between 17 and 20. Okay. About midway through through the you know through the pack. Okay, 23. Okay. <laughs> not too far. Um, not too good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so projected starters: AJ Terrell, Jeff Okuda, Mike Hughes, Jesse Bates, Richie Grant. Quote: Terrell was one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL in 2021. But his 61.8 coverage grade in 2022 didn't hold up to that standard. Falcons signed Bates in free agency to provide a stabilizing piece at the safety position. But Okuda and Hughes have disappointed so far in the NFL and remain question marks with them. So, um, look, number one is the New York Jets. Uh, obviously, no they surprise. have arguably yeah. the best cornerback in the entirety Sucks. of the NFL right now. Dolphins are number two. They obviously added Jalen Ramsey to a, a really good group already with Xavier Howard and uh, Javon Holland and guys like that. Eagles are number three. Where'd the Eagles end up at last year? Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Uh, Denver four, Baltimore five, Cowboys, Chefs coming at number seven. Where'd they finish? Super Bowl. Oh, okay. Uh, 49ers, where'd they finish? They came in at nine. In the NFC Championship. Oh, okay. Uh, Buffalo, Washington, New England, Tampa, uh, Chargers, Bengals, Packers, Seahawks, Steelers, Saints, Bears, Panthers, Detroit, and then the Atlanta Falcons. So we took a guy, we took the number three overall pick from the Lions that was on their roster last year, added him to our roster, and the Lions still finished ahead of us. What does that say? Um, look, I think that this was the most improved unit for the Atlanta Falcons this offseason. I think with the additions of Bates, 
and Jeff Okuda. And I think Jeff Okuda has a real chance to be sort of the, the breakout player for this team. He's got a lot to prove. You know, he obviously doesn't get a fifth-year option. He's vying for a contract, whether it's here or somewhere else. And, you know, we talked last week about, you know, the quotes that A.J. Terrell had to say, that they were two guys that came out of the same draft, and, you know, there was a lot of buzz around these guys and this, that, and the other, and now here they are hooking up as teammates. Two first-round picks from the 2020 draft, right? And the pandemic and everything else. So it is interesting to just hear the idea of A.J. Terrell talking about Jeff Okuda and, you know, how they've kind of play off one another and such. So, look, Jerry Gray as a factor as well in this, right? I mean, again, I, I think the Falcons, I think the Falcons will look back and they'll be much higher ranked than what 23rd is. Now, I, I think that they could be a, I think they can be a top 15 secondary in the NFL. I think they can be an upper half secondary in the league this year. This year, I think A.J. Terrell bounces back to form. I think Okuda's kind of one of the breakout player candidates for me. Mike Hughes could be solid. Jesse Bates, we hope that he has the year that he did a few years ago in Cincinnati. And another year of Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins and, and, and other guys, the D. Alfords of the world, right? Ryan Nielsen pointed out D. Alford when he was first introduced to the media, right? That was one of the names that he brought up. So, I, I and I think with Jerry Gray, and that's the unsung move of this whole thing. You know, they should have brought up the idea of Jerry Gray coaching this unit now that there's a potential for a lot of upside. So when you factor all of the different things in, not one thing, not two things, you have to factor all 19 things into this that I think at the end of the year, they become a group that is one of the better secondaries, or at least a top half secondary in the NFL. So we'll see. I mean, obviously, you know, we got to play out the season and see how things go. But I think we will look back and say this was a top half secondary in the NFL. All right, Bijan Robinson talking about his fantasy stock as uh, he was on with Tyreek Hill on his uh, podcast, the It Needed to Be Said podcast Robinson was asked about his potential as a top eight fantasy football player and the uh, the rookie humbly acknowledged that while he appreciates being considered among the top players he recognizes he has yet to prove himself in the NFL quote people are telling me like they are picking me number one I'm like thank you but I gotta prove everything first and obviously look a humble kid um, obviously there's a lot of pressure that's going to be on him he was the clear-cut best player at his position. You can't deny that. I mean, I may not like the position, you know, of drafting him where we drafted him, but you can't argue that they got the best player at that position. And, I, and again, I love the player. I don't like picking him where they did with where he plays. You know, it's a matter of hate the game, not the player. That's, that's what it is. So, again, he's a humble guy. He's got a lot to prove. But certainly you feel like that he can do all sorts of different things. And, again, he's one of the top candidates for rookie offensive rookie of the year. We saw that again last year with Drake London, and I guess we saw that with Kyle Pitts as well. But 
Um, obviously, you know, lots of lots of things to prove, but certainly he's going to be a focal point of this offense. Now, I keep data. One thing that I keep hearing from everybody, all the pundits, nudniks, talking heads, and everything like that, is that the Falcons need another wide receiver, right? That that's the number mm-hmm. one thing that everybody keeps saying. We need to make. A, we need to add another wide receiver, and this, that, and the other. Okay. This is my thought on it. Okay. I don't need more pass catchers. I, I'm not telling you that we don't need a wide receiver or something like that, but we don't need more pass catchers. We were one of the lowest ranked teams as far as pass attempts last year, and we're not going to be drastically higher. And we were the most run-heavy percentage of plays in the NFL last year, and that's not going to change drastically. And when I have London, Pitts, Jonu Smith, Scotty Miller, Cordero Patterson, Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, I don't need more guys to catch the football. I've got plenty of guys, whether I want to send a guy deep, whether I want to send a guy in the slant, I want to send a guy in the flat, I want to send a guy in a quick curl. I have everybody in the route tree that I could want. Scotty Miller's a guy who can get downfield in a hurry. Okay, send him on a fly. I've got everybody that I could want. I may not have that traditional number two wide receiver, but if you're only going to throw it 450 times, you know, again, Matt was throwing it 600 times a year. That doesn't count as dropbacks. He was averaging 600 pass attempts a year. Over the last four years, he averaged his final four years with the Falcons. He averaged 600 pass attempts. We threw it 400 and what? 418 times last year or 411 times last year. I think that number will go up, but we're not going to be a five, 600 pass team. We're going to run it the vast majority of, I mean, the majority of time just like we did last year. Again, if we're not going to run it, why'd you draft B. John Robinson at eight? So, again, just because everybody is saying it, and Field Yates was the latest guy that talked about, you know, oh, well, they need more wide receiver help. Why? I've got plenty of guys who can catch the football. That's not what I'm missing. What I'm missing is that fire breather coming off the edge that I don't know if I have that guy or not. Maybe Ebba Katie's that guy. Maybe Calais Campbell hits the fountain of youth. Maybe, you know, somebody else, whatever. But right now, that's my biggest question mark is, do I have a fire breather coming off the edge? That has not been answered. I don't need more guys who can catch the football. I've got London, Pitts, Jonu Smith, Cordero Patterson, Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, Scotty Miller. I've got those guys. I don't need more of them. I need us to be good in the red zone, and I and I need us to be able to run the football effectively, which I think we will, and not have to rely on throwing it 40 times a game like we did at times when Matt Ryan was here because we're not going to throw it that kind of number of times. If we have to throw it 600 times, our offense is going to be in trouble. It means we've really gotten stagnated and bogged down in this thing, and we're going to be in some trouble. It'll be run heavy, run first, and then, you know, play action passes, short passing game, ability in the red zone to be able to throw it when we need to with Pitts and London and Jonu Smith and Cordell Patterson and B. John Robinson. I'm going to have plenty of guys. 
Like, I'm not looking at this roster and saying, okay, do I have any guys who can catch the football? No, I've got a whole plethora of guys. i got more guys than I can run out in one pattern of guys. So if you want to say, okay, we, you know, again, we, again, we, we, we need more wide receiver help. Okay, maybe you need some more depth at that position in case people get hurt or if you need a special teams guy. But as far as catching the football when it's released out of the quarterback's hand, I have enough of those guys. I'm not hurting. You put all of those guys on the field, you can't cover everybody on the field. I don't care. I don't care if you're out of the Jets' secondary. You can't cover everybody at that point. You either have to sacrifice something or not, but you can't cover everybody that we have. Smith, London, Pitts. Again, we keep going down the list of guys. We're not hurting for guys who can catch a football. What we are hurting is that we don't have that fire breather that we can guarantee will come off the edge and get me 10 or 12 sacks. That's what I need more than anything. Anyway, we'll see what uh, what happens here. But uh, I'm not as sold on the idea of getting more wide receiver help. I've, I've got, for a team that doesn't throw the football, i got plenty of pass catchers on my roster. So, anyway. All right, when we come back, we will talk to our buddy Kurt Heelan, get his thoughts about the draft and uh, where this Hawks team is headed and some notes around the NBA as well. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is a John Chuckery Show. Coming to you live on this Friday evening after the NBA draft last night. Good time at the uh, Hawks draft party at State Farm Arena last night. And uh, Hawks made a couple of picks. And obviously, it's been a very hectic offseason thus far, even though we're just really kind of scratching the surface. Let's go out to the WadeFord.com hotline, Atlanta's Ford dealer. Let's talk to our buddy, Kurt Heelan. He, of course, the lead NBA writer, managing editor for NBC Sports. You can follow Kurt on his personal Twitter page, at basketball talk kurt as always buddy appreciate a few minutes uh in atlanta as um, another fun draft last night and uh, a lot of moving pieces and parts as always yeah and maybe not as much movement on draft night as we expected but maybe that's just because there were a lot of fireworks leading up to the draft but um not to i expected a little more movement in the first round than we ended up seeing you know uh as far as the hawks go you know i i always thought that you know, and I've been saying it on my show for the last few weeks that unless they just drafted, you know, made a move to go up and draft a dynamic player, 
this was probably always a player that was going to end up at their college park uh, G League team uh, playing for the Skyhawks. I, I think they got a nice player. Um, you know, again, we'll see what he becomes. I think he's a project. But, again, a year or two down in the G League, I think that's, you know, exactly what the agenda calls for right now with a guy like Bufkin. Yeah, although he might be able to give you some backup. I don't. It's one of those things you've got to decide where your roster. I mean, obviously with with Trey and Deshante in the situation, he's not going to get a bunch of playing time, and it becomes a developmental question of some guys need minutes, right? Like some guys need, they just need to get on the court and get experienced and and, and get used to the speed of play, and some guys if they're trying to develop a specific skill or something, they can get it better at the NBA level. It's kind of a decision you make um, on a case-by-case case basis. He might need a little time. He might be – he's obviously a first-rounder. He's not a two-way guy, but treated like that a little more where you can send him down a little and get him some run and bring him back up and make sure he gets the experience. But he's also – I mean, he did go back to college. He did spend a second year at Ann Arbor. He polished his skills a little bit. Um He's not going to come in and take a bunch of minutes, but I think he can contribute a little as a rookie and, and start to grow into that role. This is a, I, I, honestly, it's a guy that I had heard a little above this number. I thought he might go before he, I did, I'm just a little surprised he fell all the way to you. So this is a pretty good get. What did uh, you make of, uh, you know, some of the teams that maybe did themselves well? On draft night, I mean, we talked about the idea that there maybe wasn't as much movement, but was there a team or two in particular that you thought did themselves well last night? I mean, outside of the obvious Spurs. Um, yeah, I thought I, I thought Dallas made a really smart move. Everybody knew, knew they wanted Derek uh, Lively out of the, the center out of Duke, who had mm-hmm. had some really good workouts. And they were able to trade back and then still get their guy, get off the Davis box, of a Spartan salary, and that lets them. It opens up the mid level. They were able to make them. They get able to get Rashawn Holmes. They were able to do a few things. It was kind of a, a clever little move, and they still got their guy, which is a, a, a smart bit of a smart bit of drafting on their part. Um, so I think that they had a good night, and I don't know I think Houston ended up with a good night just because they were the guy who who took Cam, uh, who fell, you know, looked like a top five pick. Falls all the way to 20. We'll see if this lights a fire under him. I, I I wasn't in the workouts. I had heard the same things that he had. It's one of those guys who sometimes doesn't a little bit of Irish and a little practice, but then he flips it on in games and maybe maybe falling a little bit lights a fire under him and he shows up. If so, then you just got two top five talents in 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 the draft. So it could be good for them. All right, I'm not going to ask you to, you know, compete, you know, with with other guys and stuff like that. But Brian Windhorse on the draft show last night for ESPN specifically brought up the idea that he said that I have been I've heard that there is a narrative that the Hawks need to get under the luxury tax. And again, I'm not asking you to confirm or verify, but just have you heard things in in your circles about the idea of there's this mandate that the Hawks need to get under the luxury tax. We just had Landry Fields on our afternoon show, and you know he kind of dispelled that myth, which, again, I'm, I'm sure he's going to do that. But have you heard rumblings yeah. about the idea of the Hawks trying to get under the luxury tax first before they decide where they're going with this roster? I've heard that they don't – the, the new CBA 
freak some people in front offices out, in, in particular with what what it's going to cost with you know um, with Trey with Dejounte um, and, and some of the other guys on the roster. I, I think there is a I don't want to say oh my gosh you've got to get a, you have to get under the tax uh, although they may like that but they really don't want to be far above the tax they don't want to live far above the tax and, and start pushing for repeater numbers until until there is a team there worth paying the repeater tax for. I mean, if, if you're in the mix, you know, if right now, if you're Milwaukee, you should be paying the tax, man. Like, go right, get the tax, right, go chase right, your rings, right? Right. Um, if if it, it, there comes a time to ask the owner to do that, but I don't know that there, there was a hard – I hadn't heard anything about a hard and fast. Like, man, they've got to get under the tax, other than a lot of teams are running, man, I do not want to live – the second apron scares the heck out of people, and they don't want to flirt. They want to be in a position to be able to make a move and not flirt with some of the more harsh penalties coming down the line. So I think everybody's looking for ways to trim a little bit, and Atlanta's in that group. Kurt Heelan joining me on the WaitFor.com hotline, lead NBA writer for NBCSports.com. Well, let me float you out my theory, and, and you can shoot holes in this and in whatever you want to do, but – I really do believe in a lot of ways that the Hawks are going to run this thing back with Quinn Snyder. And yeah. when I say when I say run it back, I mean they've got their starting five signed. They've got Bogey, you know, signed. Obviously, they have their young guys that are under contract, the A.J. Griffin, Jalen Johnsons. They may tweak the, the little bit of the roster on the very back end of it. But by and large, their top, you know, let's say eight players are under contract and, and locked up, you know, for, you know, uh, DeJounte Murray really being the only guy, well, I guess Sadiq Bay in some ways, but they could move on from him. But really Murray, the only main guy that's not under a multi-year kind of deal. I think they will run it back. They're somewhere $9 million in the luxury tax with maybe about a $13 million tax bill. And I think they will go until the all, to the uh, trade deadline. And if this thing yeah. isn't working out, then they start to cut bait. Then they start to move Murray. Then they start to move some of their pieces. And then they don't stay in the luxury tax at that point. What do you think about that theory? I think that's actually a pretty reasonable theory. I think part of what I had heard, too, was simply what you were just saying, which is they don't know what this roster looks like with Quinn Snyder running it. Right. I mean, you bring him in midseason like that, especially with his system, you, you just can't install that overnight, right? right? Like That's going to take a training camp and, frankly, the first part of the season to kind of get used to what he wants to do and playing how they, how he wants them to play. And it starts, if you don't, until you do that, you can't say, even starting at the top, is, is Trey going to work in the system? He can. Will, will Trey work in the system? I need to see 30, 40 games, right? Like I've got to get into the season. Talk to me again in December and let's get us, you know, early January, let's get a sense of where this is. And I think that that's where they are with a lot of these guys. So I think it does make sense. Like you said, Maybe they make some moves, but it's more likely they're not scared of, like you said, I don't think they're scared of entering the season in the tax a little bit. Um, they might want to trim a little bit. The first apron is at $7 million or 7 and change over. So maybe you get a, try to get off of a little of it. But you get to the, uh, get to the, like you said, get to the trade deadline, you know, get to figure and say, all right, this is working, this isn't working, or – more specifically, player X isn't working in this system or th this isn't working, and how do we change this? 
Kurt, let's bounce around the league a little bit. Um, you know, I, I've tried to explain this to people that when it comes to Bradley Beal or players like that, and people people always talk to me about, well, why would he sign with the Washington Wizards, you know, when they're not a very good franchise and he could go to a contender and this and the other? And I'm like, because he's leaving $251 million guaranteed dollars on the table. And to be honest with you, I mean – there's no way that a player can turn down that kind of money. I don't care how bad his situation is. Even if after a year you start demanding a trade, once you've got that contract signed, it's a whole different deal. But no player is going to turn down this kind of money that that a team of their own doing can sign them for. But when they get that fifth year in it, I mean, am I wrong about that? Or No, not at all. And, and in his case, by the way, I'll take the I'll take that no trade clause that allows me yeah. to completely control where I land, so that you know I don't get sent. Not that my, my oh no he got sent to Miami like that would be some horrible experience, but like he had control to say no I want to go play in Phoenix and they, I'm only going to waive this for Phoenix and you have to take what they give you. It's a very different thing, and so that's one of the ones that the other guy you'll see this summer is Jalen Brown hinted he's a little frustrated at times mm-hmm. and has been there like you know yeah he has and i think he has been frustrated frankly they should be frustrated they should be a little better than they are um he's going to take the 289 million they're going to put it on the table he's going to sign the supermax if he's frustrated in a year or two he'll do exactly that then he'll start to push his way out then they'll break this thing up but if you're i mean that's not that's that's my grandkids don't have to work money yeah you you, you have to take that yeah, I, I and I agree. I mean, I just again this because it, it's all guaranteed, and, and the idea that somebody's going to turn down five for two fifty, it just it boggles yeah. my mind. Um, what do you think is the next big domino that's going to fall? Uh, let's say let's say Jalen Brown he ta- he gets the super max and he signs all that. What do you think is the next big domino to fall as far as player movement goes? Obviously, everybody's watching Portland. I think that's going to move a little more slowly than people, uh, at least some people like. He, part of it is he doesn't want to leave. Everybody, everybody's eager to move Damian Lillard out of Portland way more than Damian Lillard is looking to right. move out of Portland. Right. Um, and by the I'm way, I thought. By the happen. way, I thought they. I thought they did themselves good last night in the draft. Right. I, I thought. That, I thought they made a, you know, a couple good. I thought that was that was a good pickup that the that the uh, Trail Blazers made for Damian Lillard. I'm not a scout. I don't pretend, you know, I'm not going to pretend to play one on the radio a little bit, but man, I've seen Scoot play. I have talked to the kid and interviewed him. I really like him. Yeah. I really think he has not only the kind of physical tools, and I'm talking early Derek Rose, Russell Westbrook level physical tools. He's got to round out. He's got the mentality. Like I think, I think Wemby Yamba does as well. Like he's just, I like, I think they're mentally built for this. I think Scoot's going to be fantastic. So yeah, take him, you know, and you figure it out with the name later. But you, you if you're not going to pick him, if you're trading that pick away, you better be getting somebody all NBA level back. And that guy just, you know, well, Paul George is out there. Maybe well, great. He's 33, needs a contract extension, and is injured all. Like, I don't know that I'm trading Scoot for that. Like, right. I just – there aren't more options. So, yeah, I think that's the one to watch. But I think the other ones that get interesting is just Draymond Green. There's not a huge market for him maybe necessarily. But what, 
Golden State wants to pay him and for how long and what he thinks he believes he's worth are going to be two very different numbers. And that's going to be a really interesting thing to watch as they start to talk contract extensions. I don't know where he would go, but it'd be interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch. Does Golden State need him more or does he need Golden State more? I think ultimately he needs them a little more, but it's close. I mean, if you watch them last year, they don't win without him, right? right? And they did. Right. They just sent Jordan Poole out the door uh, because it was pretty clear those two couldn't. It, at Draymond's, it's Draymond's fault, but those two were not going to coexist. Um, but I don't know. He's not plug and play. He's not Bradley Beal. He's not Kevin Durant. He's not even Trey Young, right? There's not a guy where you're like, drop him. 29 other teams and it works like you've got to play a kind of specific defensive system the switchable defensive system for it to work camp he's not a drop coverage guy and and he's a great passer but he doesn't score and shoot so you've got to have specific kind of players around him to maximize his skill set they have that in in golden state and golden state kind of needs him they just weren't that they weren't the same without him they misfired on wiseman um they don't have the time to develop Kuminga and wait around for him. So it's going to be, I think, look, the Chris Paul move is the all-in move for them. And in that case, they kind of, I think, I guess now that I think about it, Golden State needs him more ultimately, don't they? Because now that with Chris Paul, they've got to bring him back. They don't really have a choice now, do they? they they're all in right now. It's just going to be an interesting debate about money because I don't know if Houston would be willing to just step in and you know, they can offer more if they want to. And by the way, uh, as we close things out, Scoot uh, Scoot's also an Atlanta kid, so he went to uh, high school oh, yeah, here in Atlanta at Kell at Kell High School in the, in Marietta. So he's got that going for him as well. So anyway, lead well, we NBA. Can, let's start. Let's start the he wants to go home rumors now. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, he's under control for hey. like eight years, but you can never start those too early. Hey, listen. I mean, we're gonna have Jalen Brown. We're gonna have Scoot. We're gonna have everybody from the city of Atlanta. If we just get all Atlanta players to play for the Hawks, we're in good shape. I yeah, mean, if we're, this we're, were the 1950s. You, where you just recruited the guys right. around you. The right. regional guys. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Kurt Elan's the lead NBA writer, managing editor for NBCSports.com, at Basketball Talk on Twitter, and join me on the WaitFor.com hotline. Kurt, as always, buddy, appreciate a few minutes, man, in Atlanta. Thanks so much. We will chat again here soon as the season, the uh, offseason, rolls right along. I look forward to it, man. Take care. You got it. John Chuckery. We'll be back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, the game, back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia Studios. I don't know what's going on with these Atlanta Braves tonight. The arms. I mean, they got out to a 5 nothing lead. The they, arms. I mean, they gave up two in the second, two in the third, one in the fourth, four in the fifth. The arms. Now they're down 9-7. to seven. Jeez. Colin McHugh's gotten roughed up. Smith Shaver got roughed up. Got to a 5 nothing lead in the first inning. Yep. What the hey? I know the Reds are hot right now, but Jiminy Christmas. This team shouldn't be blowing a 5 nothing lead. 
Ronnie's got two hits. Albie's got a hit. Riley with two hits. Olsen's got a couple of hits. Olsen and Darno have homered. Darno's got a, a hit and three RBI. Arcia's got a run driven in. Smith Shaver lasted three and a third inning, five runs on four hits, two walks, four strikeouts, three homers he gave up. And McHugh gave up another one. They've homered four times in the game tonight. They've hit four homers. I'm telling you, that ballpark, as it warms up, when that ballpark gets warm in the summertime, balls just fly out of that ballpark. I mean, just fly out of that ballpark. So it's it's crazy. Um, all right, uh, tomorrow night we've got Atlanta United taking on the New York Red Bulls. You can join me as uh, we cheer on Atlanta United versus New York. Brew House Cafe, 401 Moreland Avenue Northeast. That's Atlanta 30307. I'm going to be there uh, tomorrow, June 24th, from 7 to 9 p.m. They got specials on Bud Light. They got giveaway items and more. You can register to win tickets to Atlanta United versus the Philadelphia Union on July 2nd. It's sponsored by Bud Light. Must be 21 or over. And please drink responsibly. So come on by. Um, I was looking at this place, Day Day, that mm-hmm. they, I guess that they are the premier sports uh, soccer bar in Atlanta. Oh, okay. It's Brewhouse Cafe. So Garrett said it's over by his place. He's over in uh, over in the Five Points area. This is off Moreland Avenue, kind of in that Five Points uh, area. Oh, you know what? I think I've been there before. Okay. Yeah, if, if it's the place I'm thinking of, um, it's, a pretty, it's a cool little spot. It's a cool spot, yep. Nice little vibe. Good drinks, good food. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward uh, to it. So it should be a fun time. Uh, looks like a good menu. Um, but uh, come on out and join me, uh, seven to nine p.m. tomorrow. Doc Sock. Um, I'll chop it all up with you. I'll, I'll break it. I'll break it all down. I'll give you all the X's and O's that you want and everything. So, but yeah, come on by seven to nine p.m. Uh, get a chance to meet me. More, more importantly, drink Bud Light and eat good food and. Don't worry about meeting me. I mean, again, I'm, I'm nobody here in this whole thing. So, anyway, so we'll have some fun uh, tomorrow night uh, out there. So, uh, trying to figure out what the uh, Braves are going to do here. Nine to seven right now. is what, what inning are we in? We are in the top of the sixth inning. So, the Braves are at bat right now. Um, Ozzy's uh, up the bat. So, we'll see if the Braves can come back uh, in this. But certainly frustrating when you look at where this uh, where this team is at tonight. So, and again, you know, this is this is setting up to be a really good series. This is two red hot teams, maybe the two hottest teams in all of Major League Baseball that are playing tonight. Reds looking for a franchise record twelve games in a row that would tie their franchise record. Braves looking to win nine in a row themselves. So lots of uh, lots of stuff going on here, and um, we'll see if the Braves can come back and uh, hang on. So, all right. Uh, speaking of coming back, let's get to something we call what's bugging Chuckery. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. So, example number 65,814 of reasons why Rob Manfred is a complete tool. So, Rob Manfred um, this week said that one big turnout by Oakland fans doesn't change 
a decade worth of inaction as he defended earlier comments about the reverse boycott held in protest of the team's move to Las Vegas. Now, you remember when we talked about this story about the $6 billion owner for the Oakland A's and they were going to do a reverse protest where they were going to have everybody show up and protest the idea of moving by having a big crowd? So Manfred, of course, said he was taken out of context when he sarcastically praised the 27,759 fans for amounting to, quote, an average, uh, uh, sorry, quote, almost an average Major League Baseball crowd, unquote, for a 2-1 win over the Tampa Bay Rays on June 13th at the Oakland Alameda Coliseum. Speaking Friday at a news conference ahead of a weekend series between St. Louis and the Chicago Cubs in London, Manfred said the A's had not submitted a relocation uh, application, and there is no deadline for when he wants to, the clubs to vote. Quote, my comment about Oakland was that I feel sorry for the fans and that my initial and preference that we find a solution in Oakland, Manfred said, when asked if he regrets his remarks. The comment that I made about the fans on that particular night was taken out of context of those two larger remarks. I feel sorry for the fans. We hate to move. We did everything we could possibly to keep the club in Oakland. Unfortunately, one night doesn't change a decade worth of inaction. Well, why do you think that there's been no no vibe at Oakland? Let me ask you something. Do you think that they had trouble filling up the stadium in 1974? No. Okay. Do you think that they had problems filling up the stadium in 1981-82 when Ricky Henderson was running a wild like a wild man definitely, on the base path? Definitely not. Okay. You think they had trouble in 1990 when the Bash brothers were dominating the baseball world? Canseco, McGuire, Dave Stewart, Henderson, Carney Lansford, uh, who was the catcher? Um, oh, God. Now my uh, Terry Steinbach. You think they had trouble filling up the stands in 1990 when the Bash brothers were there? Nope. You think they had trouble filling up the stands when they had Chavez, Tejada, the MVP of the league, Giambi, Mulder, Hudson, Zito? Think they had trouble then? Nope. Okay. But you know when they have trouble? When they trade all of their best players away and field an incompetent AAA baseball team and nobody wants to go pay Major League Baseball prices because they watch a double-A minor league baseball team play every night. Why in the hell do you think that people don't want to go to those games? Why do you think that people don't want to watch a team play that has won what? Let me look here real quick. Let's look at standings on ESPN.com. And the Oakland A's right now are ready, Day Day? Are you ready? You sitting down? I'm ready. I'm okay. sitting down. 19 and 58. <laughs> they are, what's the date today? June 23rd. Okay. They are ready? Yep. Are you sitting down? Yep. Are you sure? <laughs> yep. Okay. They are 28 and a half games out of first place on June 23rd. Plum ridiculous. I didn't say September 23rd. I said June 
23rd. They're 28 and a half games out of first place. Why would anybody watch a club like that that doesn't care, sells off their best players, doesn't look to put a winner on the field unless they get completely lucky? And Rob Manfred is an idiot. He is an idiot. If he doesn't understand why Oakland, one of the best baseball cities in the country for generations now, doesn't want to go to their games. Put a winner on the field and don't give up. Because that's what they've done over the last couple few years is given up. You think when their owner, who's worth $6 billion, has a payroll of $25 million that he's interested in winning ballgames. You think he has any interest whatsoever in winning baseball games with a $25 million payroll? And Rob Manfred can't understand why. He can't understand why the fans of Oakland don't just lay down and support a guy like this who, by the way, wants to move the franchise and wants a new stadium funded by the taxpayers. And Rob Manford, in his idiocy, doesn't understand a single thing about this. And by the way, then it's, well, I was taken out of context. No, we got the context, all right. You're just a moron. You're just a knucklehead. That's what it is. There's nothing to take out of context other than your stupidity. Your stupidity may be out of context compared to most normal people. But it's so it's so ridiculous to hear this guy as the commissioner of the Major League Baseball speak on any of these issues. Like it's ridiculous to hear him talk about any of this stuff. Every time he speaks, he just sticks his foot in his mouth and it becomes dumber by the second. It's unbelievable. But that's, you know, where we're at in the world of, you know, Major League Baseball. And you wonder why people don't get all enamored with, with Major League Baseball as, again, the, the guy who, you know, is at the very tippy top of leadership in the sport doesn't have a clue about what's going on around the country with his professional teams in that league. And that's his bug and chuckery. All right, 404-726-0929. Braves uh, looking to try to come back uh, in this thing. Now we're at the bottom of the sixth uh, inning. So this is, what, the fourth pitcher that the Braves have had to use? Think about the fact that – well, no, I guess I guess Heller is uh, still in the game. So think about the fact that they they had a 5 nothing lead and your starter can't get through three, uh, four innings, I should say. Not, not really good. And offense has done its job. They got seven runs tonight. They're still on that kick where they score five, seven runs every single night. Yeah, this is like multiple times, though, unfortunately, for the Braves where they've gotten out to these big leagues early, big leads early, and then, again, the arms well, just, but this know. is, But this is also, I mean, to your point about the arms, this is what happens when you have to roll the dice with a bunch of young guys, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, that's, this is the, the the ups and downs, the yin, the yangs. I mean, this is what happens when you have to rely on 
the Schusters and the Dodds and the Smith-Sharvers and guys like this. And not that they're bad guys or bad pitchers or whatever. Yeah. It's just you're inexperienced Young at this level. Young and inexperienced, yeah. And, and you've got – look, for A.J. Smith-Sharver, they, the hottest team in baseball right now is the team he's facing right now. That's the hottest team going in Major League Baseball. At the tippy-top of the profession, that is the hottest team going right now, having won 11 games in a row. Mm-hmm. And he's in their ballpark, which is, again, a ballpark where balls just fly yeah, it's a hitter's park. out of that ballpark. Yeah. I mean, they fly out mm-hmm. of that ballpark. Reds have already hit four homers in this game, and we're not even through – well, now we're through five innings. They haven't even registered. So they're through five innings, and they've hit four homers in the game already. Balls just fly out of that ballpark. So, anyway, we'll see if the Braves can come back uh, in this thing. All right, when we come back, remember I said it's a hot take night? Yep. All right, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going full hot take Tommy mode. Chuck in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio 19 on the game, the Odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.